Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast, where we discuss all things GRC. Get a hat on when we think, oh, it could be this, and, and we really limit our thinking. You're getting someone who's a bit of a data nerd who goes, well, could you do this with this, and could you make this correlate with something or other else, or could you just see what happens when you actually look at it? Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast. My name is Kwame Slusher. I'm the editor of the GRC Professional Online, the GRC Professional Magazine. And today we have our managing director, Naomi Burley. Hi, Naomi. Hi, Kwame. Uh, so today we're going to talk about our very first point of view um, session that we had on Wednesday um, in partnership with Deloitte. Um, we had Mark Adams come and from ASIC to come and talk to us a bit about what they have been doing and seeing in the reg tech space, you know, how things have been developing and obviously how that will impact upon members. So I guess I'm going to jump straight at you now and just sort of say, you know, what what are some of the key things that stood out for you that you think might be relevant to our members? Oh, so many things, <laughs> so many things. But I, I think the big thing is because, uh, I mean, you and I and lots of other people have been going along to these sessions that, that ASIC have been running and... Um, they've been really, really valuable exercises with ASIC posing some of the questions that they kind of think we should be asking of tech providers and seeing whether the, whether the providers are up to snuff with things and having in some guest speakers who talk about their experience in working in this technology space. So they've been very, very valuable and that's why we asked Mark to come along to the point of view session because we thought that this would be good. Not everyone had been able to make all the sessions. Um, I think that probably there's several key takeaways in this, um, in that uh, probably my big biggest one is that the regulator is recognising a lot more than the market is, the untapped pool of data and information that could be used um, to greater good mm-hmm. by organisations. It certainly came up in the... Um, Royal Commission, not that I want to harp on that kind of thing, but the the question of, well, if you've got this information, why didn't you use it for this purpose that would have benefited the customer and the genuine perplexity uh, um, uh, around that question, I think bears answering by the market. But now that ASIC is sort of bring these front of mind, I think they're saying quite bluntly to us, uh, you've got this information, you've been collecting it for some time, now you need to do something sensible with it. If you think that there is some kind of blockage and you know that's been identified throughout, throughout all of the experiments that ASIC have done is that not everyone's got everything in, the, in a format that's usable by the tech that we have at the moment. So that's the first thing to address, you know, get started on having a little look at that. I think the other um, unsaid thing in this whole conversation is that ASIC has spent a lot of time and energy on this, uh, but their invited speakers are still only from the big end of town. The people who have engaged um, a bit more wholeheartedly and and uh, embraced experimenting with technology, um, and I don't think this even comes down to a cost factor, I think it comes down to maybe people power, whatever it is, um, has been the, that big end of town and everyone else has sort of been sitting back waiting for this magical provider who's going to gallop onto the scene with a solution that solves everything and helps you massage what you've got into something that's usable. That's not going to happen. So I think that's the underlying um, undiscussed point is that we all need to lift our game, 
have a look at what you've got. If it's not in a format that's usable, then you have an intelligent conversation with a potential provider or someone who understands data or someone who understands tech and ask them what you need to do with it if you want to use it. And I think that's where the, the Deloitte speaker came in because um, you know, they had some really interesting people in the room who were just basically data and statistics nerds who um, see the potential for insights in any kind of information. And that's where it opens up that discussion. We've all got a very particular hat on when we think, oh, it could be this, and, and we really limit our thinking. If you get in someone who's a bit of a data nerd, who goes, well, could you do this with this? And could you make this correlate with something or other else? Or could you just see what happens when you actually look at it? Um, and I think that the, the bottom line is that ASIC is being incredibly inquiring about this process. Some of the things that they've set for the 2020 schedule are very, very ambitious, if you ask me, having had, a, having sort of had a look at what's actually in the marketplace and where the gaps are. Um, but, um, you know, and they're going to address the big elephant in the room, the digital record keeping of financial services, a landscape report. That is going to be a big one and that will be a must attend for everyone, I think, is getting a picture of, we all know that there are so many organisations out there just keeping in an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah. Um, but at least it's in an electronic form. At least it's recorded. That's a start. Yeah. And and um, you're winning ahead of the game if you're not having everything written on a piece of paper or kept in separate silos or someone in your branch in um, rural Victoria keeping it one way and someone else in Queensland keeping it another. You're keeping it on tapes that happen to get lost. Yeah. A bit tongue-in-cheek yeah. there. Well, not even that. <laughs> you can't do anything with it, yeah. you know. Um, they're not on the same system. They haven't thought the same way. So I think there's a big call to action in advance of, uh, of 2020 because some of the topics that ASIC are going to have on this schedule are really, really ambitious. The idea that one day we could have non-financial risk tools for use by boards and executives when they can't even cope with the idea of non-financial risk full stop um, is, is, you know, that's really ambitious. Yeah. I just don't think that the... The conversations that I know our members have had with their boards around non-financial risk, they're grappling with it because they don't find it quantifiable now, how they could have a technology tool to help them. There's a big jump that people have got to make, I think. But to to the, the Deloitte speaker's point, the information's there. Mm -hmm. You might have to run it through, give it a bit of a clean, reformat some stuff, play around with it, get it in a format that works. But if you were genuine and you were inquiring about it and you set it as like a research project, find out what you know that you didn't know mm. you knew um, and start there, you could find a wealth of insights, but you have to be prepared to ask the question and your board has to support you in asking the question. So for those listeners who might be just a little bit lost on what we're addressing, <laughs> um, so sessions that Naomi referenced earlier are the RegTech liaison sessions put on by ASIC. I think there have been eight sessions so far i could be very wrong about that um they've been of different yeah, flavors so there's yeah. been ha big half day events where asic have set a research question yeah. for tech providers and then there've been the other shorter sessions which have been more conversational and engaging where industry had an opportunity to come to the tech providers in the room with asic facilitating and ask them how are you going to solve this problem for me uh, yep, yeah. and and what's been interesting about some of those sessions is it's not just asic i mean obviously you have asic talking about you know talking about what providers in the in, helping industry can provide, but also about their own forays into soup tech. Mm. But then it's also APRA talking about their new data collection. It was also Oztrack, I think, a few times, also talking about their own 
sort of engagement with um, RegTech, and they had their own RegTech showcase um, yep. was, was and last year. This and year. they've got another right. one um, coming up in March next year. Right. Um, so it's really, really interesting time. Yeah, to your point, ASIC are also concurrently looking at addressing their own um, shortage of staff and shortage of expertise um, with tech as a possible solution to getting through the volume of stuff that's out there. Um, so they're embracing that challenge as well. And there's there's some um, potentially really interesting benefits for the market as well. So they, they've quite honestly um, been very upfront. Mark was very, very candid about um, the information about public companies and beneficial owners and all that stuff needing to be addressed and that potentially there could be um, some really beneficial uses of technology to stop the over-reliance on human beings supplying that information and the register being kept up to date in the old-fashioned way it's had to be kept up to date, um, which will which will benefit everybody and, and yeah, probably Austrac's very, very interested in that conversation. Yeah. And I think what was also interesting too, um, you mentioned Deloitte speaker, is that he was sort of pointing out that the, the kind of systems that they're looking at, and I guess some of the other systems that are available that other people have, weren't really so much about generating that reporting for you. It was really sort of just getting you into that analytics part to help you spot where there might be a problem. Yeah. I think the terminology he used was the outlier. That's right. And then, that, and then spotting that outlier in the data will then, of course, allow you or prompt you to go do some further investigation to figure out, well, why is this yeah. like this? Is it really an outlier? Exactly. And that's that's that distinguishing thing that we have all the time in this conduct space. Is it an incident or is it actually a systemic issue? And you can argue blue in the face, but if you've got data to back you up, you've done a proper root cause analysis because something came up in the data, then you've got a really compelling story to tell the board that they can't sort of dismiss because it's based on your gut instinct. Um, you've been able to verify it you've been able to cleanse the data, you've been able to demonstrate through a very rigorous process that that the the story you've got to tell with, with this data is a compelling one and it's based on evidence. It's based on rules of evidence. Um, and it'll allow you to do it at a speed that helps you find it before a regulator finds it. Let's put it that way. Um, but I think the other thing to bear in mind with that conversation was it was it was not about it's not going to answer that need of the report you push up to the board because if you presented any of that stuff to a board they would not know what you wanted them to do with it. They're really smart people, but they're going to look at it and go, "So I don't know, you know." So there's there's a strategic narrative and interpretive role for compliance professionals to um, conduct the investigation understand the evidence behind it and give a very clear call to action to directors. And I think that's what they need. No more of this, just send up the story and hope they interpret it the way you wanted them to interpret it because they're in charge of the risk appetite, yada, yada. It's you're there as a subject matter expert. You're going to have to send up what you need them to do about it. And if they don't want to do that thing, then they need to clearly come back with that that decision. Yeah, definitely. And I think one of the buzzwords that you're seeing um, um, out of the media as well as coming from the regulators themselves is that non-financial risks piece. And that, of course, you mentioned that. And of course, I'm sure that pe- you know, pricked a couple of areas in the, the audience because I guess that is something that people are going to have to figure out now. Um, it, it's good that they've separated it into another concept for someone to think mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. But now, how are you going to find different ways of measuring it? And there are measurements for certain aspects of it, but 
you know, I guess you could, it, it's always going to be that search for finding the best way to always know what's happening. Well, that's right. Yeah. And then if you get this mishmash of a myriad of indicators yeah. that combined correlate, maybe that's what we're looking for. We've always been looking for this magical measurement. If we measured how much training they did and this and that uh, with no correlation across it, you know, really, a really compelling story in any kind of social research. And we're now, when you're talking about conduct and, and a lot of non-financial risk, you are in the realm of social research. Um, isn't quantitative. Mm. It is a correlation of qualitative and quantitative data that leads you to a reasonable conclusion about these things. And I think that's that nuanced approach that uh, that com compliance and risk people in this non-financial risk space will need to take. But, you know, we've now had two different regulators give an emphasis on non-financial risk yep. and say it really must be handled um, and, you know, the other thing that, that ASIC's report highlighted was the lack of information flow up to the board in a meaningful way. So, you know, they observed 300-page reports going up to the board because the board said, we need more staff, but they can't get through it and they can't dig into that detail versus the one-page snapshot, which is also inadequate. So there's got to be something in between this. Um, and I think that's where... Uh, ASIC's conversation in that director's non-financial risk tool might be going. I don't think they assume that directors will be sitting there clicking on that tool themselves. But how do you get it? Is there something that could bridge the gap between strategy, risk appetite, make all that stuff meaningful. I don't know. It'll yeah. be really, really interesting to see if they can get that one off the ground. They didn't sound that confident. <laughs> Mark didn't sound that confident. Um, uh Sorry, so I, we probably should start wrapping up. Oh, a bit. we should, we yeah. should. But um, I will just yeah. say before we wrap up <laughs> is that we had quite a few people who couldn't make it ask for the slide deck. Now, I'm a little bit opposed to just doing that because there was so much more to um, the entirety of the presentation. So Mark has really immersed himself in this topic for what the past three to five years as yeah. part of the innovation hub and really done a lot of research and the gold was in the conversation that we had and the questions we got to ask. So the slide deck will tell you the same stuff that the Innovation Hub link tells you pretty much. Which will be at the bottom of which the is, podcast. Which, is at, <laughs> which will be at the bottom of the podcast. So yeah. go there, subscribe to the stuff. They recorded all the ones that happened last year and sit down, spend a bit of time having a look at those. Um, but you missed a great session. You have to make it along to the next one. Uh, so there was one question I wanted to put out there. I mean, obviously, the people that were in the room, I got a sense that they were all pretty advanced in their understanding of regulatory technology and how it can help in a risk and compliance setting. But, I mean, we didn't really get a lot of basic questions. Is there anything that was probably glossed over a bit because of that high level that you think is worth I guess, investigating for someone who's now sort of getting into a risk and compliance role and is trying to figure out how the technology is. To be honest, works. Tommy, I think people understand what data is. There were probably a couple of technical terms like the formatting of voice files, yeah. you know, so a few technical bits and pieces, but you could have someone in the reg tech space explain that to you in five minutes. I think it's uh, getting a really clear... I think the shift that's going to have to happen, sorry, is... Mm this um, confidence in combining the two pitches to tell a story. So lots of the members I talk to are reticent to jump to conclusions based on one, one set of data. Um, right. And I think that um, 
by potentially embracing a kind of research cycle where you ask a question, you get some answers to that, and then you go, well, what other questions does this give rise to? And then keep making it more complex and complex and complex and, in, and engage in it as a cycle of, of research that comes to a um, more polished and mature finish is probably the way to go as, ex as opposed to expecting um, there to be emerging technologies that does that journey for you. I think that we have a lot to contribute in this space and I think you should be participating in directing technologies to answer more complex questions because they will go in and quite sensibly solve the simple problems um, or the most obvious hot problems which might be single issue problems and this is what we've complained about from the beginning. There's no one who's making that more complex picture. This is where you need to intervene and throw in why don't we combine these two questions and, and be inquiring about it? Right, right. Well, um, just this is not the last point of view session for the year. I should say there's another one um, coming up on the 16th, is it? There sure is yep. with Sean Hughes down in Melbourne. Um, so come along to Melbourne. For those outside of Melbourne, we'll be sending through um, a link to dial in and listen to that. And Sean will be um, engaging completely in that nebulous space of fairness. So it'd be really nice to get some clarity around the perception on that. Um, and I think that's a really, really important session. So don't miss it. We're not giving you the slides. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, Naomi, for your time. Thank you. This podcast was a production of the Governance Risk and Compliance Institute. And the music was produced by Rob Neary. <laughs>